Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 63, produced 12 July 2019. The three-drone Highland bagpipe is as iconically Scottish as haggis and tartan, even if, ironically, none of the three are Scottish in origin. For one weekend each summer, the skirl of the pipes fills the air in and around Glasgow Green, as the city plays host to over 200 pipe bands from around the world in the World Pipe Band Championships. This year, one of those bands is from deep in the heart of Texas. I'm Glenn Moyer, a native Texan of Scottish ancestry. And when we return, we'll meet and chat with the current and former pipe majors of the Silver Thistle Pipes and Drums from Austin, Texas, as they prepare to journey to Scotland to compete against the best in the world under the tartan sky. Scotland offers many things to many people. Its history is filled with stories of great leaders like William Wallace and Robert the Bruce, of battles like Bannockburn and Culloden. Its culture includes whiskey and tartan, castles and clans. It's a land of great literature, invention and innovation, of sweeping vistas and great glens and shimmering lochs. For millions around the world, Scotland is key to their ancestry, to who they are, to where they've come from. It's a haven for wildlife and a paradise for sport. Indeed, Scotland has something for almost everyone. In 2019, why not plan to visit and discover for yourself just what Scotland has to offer for you? Austin, Texas is the heart of the state of Texas, named for the Republic's first president, Stephen F. Austin. It is the modern-day capital of the Lone Star State and home to the University of Texas. Austin is also a music capital of the world, where the Austin sound has been evolving for several decades. What began as an outpouring of country and rock from the city's beer joints evolved into the music of Cosmic Cowboys, with artists like Willie Nelson and Michael Martin Murphy leading the way. Today, the Austin sound is, at least according to Rough Guides, a melange of country, folk, and blues with strong psychedelic and alternative influences. And bagpipes? While you may not find pipes and drums appearing on the public television staple Austin City Limits, the skirl of the pipes can clearly be heard in the heart of Texas, thanks to the likes of the Silver Thistle Pipes and Drums. Indeed, just as the Austin sound was emerging in the form of outlaw country music in the 70s, the Silver Thistle Pipes and Drums were being formed. The band has been competing and performing around Texas and the world for over 40 years, and 2019 will see the group making its fifth venture into the World Pipe Band Championships. The band is a global community with members from Scotland, South Africa, and France, as well as homegrown Texans, many of whom learned to play thanks to the band's own lessons program. 
Dr. Ken Lichty is Scottish, an aeronautical engineer, having graduated the University of Glasgow. Graduate school brought him to the USA in 1974. He joined both the University of Texas, where he holds the Zero Centennial Professorship in Engineering, and the Silver Thistle Pipes and Drums in 1982. A piper since he was a wee lad in Scotland, he was pipe major of the band from 1985 until 2011. Doug Slauson is the current pipe major of the band, having come to the pipes at the tender age of 37 after seeing a performance at the Austin Celtic Festival. A consulting engineer for the city of Austin, he also teaches bagpipes and is a graduate of Texas A&M. Both men have competed solo and with other bands in their piping careers, and Doug has even composed one of the songs the band will perform at this year's World Championships. Following a recent practice, the two took time out to chat with me before their pending travel to Scotland, By the way, you'll hear bits of the B-Band practicing in the background of our conversation. I began our discussion by asking Ken, who has been with the band for much of its lifetime, to share a little of the history of the group. It got started uh, as an outgrowth of another band that was here. Uh, There were some within this band that wanted to compete and some that didn't. And so uh, Silver Thistle was really born as a as a competition band um and historically uh competitions have been uh the main way to promote um, the continuous of uh, scottish highland bagpiping and drumming so that's how it got started uh patrick regan was the uh, person who founded it uh, in 77 and I'm not actually sure uh, how he selected Silver Thistle, um, <clears throat> but I think he likes Thistles because he went on to found another band in Pennsylvania called Steel Thistle. So uh, it's <laughs> pro- pro- probably got to do something with that. But uh, Patrick got it started, and um, it was mainly uh, gathering a, a couple of months at most uh, prior to the one and only contest. No, maybe there were two. There's one down in Houston and one in Salado here uh, in Central Texas. And uh, it was a bit of a, I have to say, a ragtag operation. We didn't have the same uniform. We just wore wore individual kilts and so forth. But it was a start. And um, so when Patrick left, um, I'm thinking it was about 1985 or so, um, I joined the band in 82, so I was sort of the the natural person to take it over. And um, even though I was just starting life as an assistant professor, um, uh, we got started and we just put it on firmer ground with practices all year round, um, bought uniforms, uh, you know, decided on some very pretty kilt, uh, uh, pink kilts, pink and white kilts that are mainly used by dancers um, at that stage. But that didn't last very long. Um, <laughs> uh, There's about another generation or so, and it, it, that was voted out. Um, but um, we uh, had regular practices, and we started to play for uh, gigs and, and things like that, as well as competitions. And 
uh, just uh, built ourselves up uh, gradually um, and uh, started to, com to compete out of state. I think uh, Colorado was our first out of state games and uh, we did very well uh, there. Um, and then uh, eventually we went to some games on the East Coast and the West Coast and Canada, and then finally the, the World Pipe Band Championships. You mentioned the, the pink and white kilts, which is not very Texan, I will say. <laughs> yeah. um, but you guys wear a beautiful tartan now. What tartan is that? Uh, it's Graham of Menteith. Uh, and actually, that kilt's been around since, well, before I joined the band. Um, so, Ken, if you want to talk about the voting process for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we had more female members in the beginning of the band, and certainly um, Susanna Ross, drummer, and she was quite instrumental in the in the in the you know development of the band in those early days. She was also a Highland dancer, and this particular tartan it was actually the dress Culloden tartan um, uh, is a favorite amongst dancers. So maybe that's how that got started. I kind of like purple myself, so I, you know, I certainly wasn't put off by it. But then we, um, the band has had several what I would call different generations. Um, even though I was running it for about 26 years, uh, and we came to a, gen a generation which definitely did not favor the dress cologne. <laughs> <laughs> so it was um, it was cancelled and. We sold those to some dance, uh, Highland Dance School in Colorado, I think. We were able to sell them. And uh, then we chose um, this uh, Graham of uh, Menteith. Um, I w we actually wanted the Austin Tartan, but it wasn't available. And, and this one's quite close to the, the Austin Tartan, uh, given that Silver Thistle is uh, in Austin, Texas. So that's the, the significance of the tartan is simply that it's very close to the Austin tartan? Yeah, and I think we, we liked it. It was a, a very democratic vote. Uh, so uh, There were several candidates uh, amongst them, I think. But in, in the end, we settled for this. It's, it's a nice looking one. Yeah. Doug, you're the current pipe major. Um, what goes into preparing a band for a performance at the World Championships? How much work is involved? How much time do you guys put in? Um, how big a task is this? It's a lot of chasing cats. Um, <laughs> you know, we have, uh, well, first of all, it, it's all about putting together the music uh, that we're going to play. Um, it's putting together music that is going to be acceptable by judges uh, in Scotland. Uh, you know, we could play Red Hot Chili Piper stuff all day long, but um, <laughs> Scottish Scottish judges don't typically go for that sort of thing. Um, you have two different uh, sets that you would play in competition. One is a March Strispay and Reel, and then one is a medley of different dance tunes. Um, be they hornpipes, jigs, um, slow airs, Strispays and Reels. Um, and it's a matter of putting those together, getting everybody to memorize them, and then, well, getting everybody to memorize them is the easy part, of course. It's getting that unison. When you're playing a March Strispay and Reel, it's, it's getting it to sound like one giant bagpipe. 
getting the equipment together to to make that happen, getting all the people to do their practices. And Ken can speak to this as well as I can because he's been he did it for 25 plus years. But you know the chasing cats, getting everybody to put in their individual work, and then getting them together to do it all together. And Ken, as as Doug is alluding to, you are a former pipe major of the band from I think '85 through about 2011. Has the role of uh, pipe major? You've talked about the different generations within the band. Has the role of pipe major changed in the generations and in, in the years that you've been with the group? Yeah, in some ways it has. Uh, I mean, there's still the central uh, thing of choosing the music, uh, and, uh, you know, teaching, you know, new people and, you know, bringing in recruits and so forth. Uh, in the beginning it was, you know, uh, uh, Jack of all trades. Cause I did all the jobs. I did the quartermaster, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, you know, uh, booked the gigs, uh, did everything. Um, but eventually as we got bigger, you know, I just couldn't do all of that. Uh, and so we're very fortunate, you know, in each generation to find people that were willing to step up. It's a, it's a quite a time commitment just to be playing the music in the band. And so uh, it takes special folk that are willing to stand up and take leadership roles in addition uh, to, uh, you know, uh, just playing. So I'm happy to say that a lot of those, you know, things got... Uh, passed on to others and so I was able to focus more on the playing and, and the teaching as time went on uh, it just it just got easier as, as people were more willing to step up and what about the difficulty involved in for a, a band from Texas travel to Scotland because I assume this comes out of this is all privately funded essentially and comes out of your individual pockets and people have to get vacation and time off and travel arrangements have to be made and housing over there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's got to be uh, uh, quite a bit of work in and of itself. We are a, a 501c3, so we're a nonprofit organization. And happy to say that all of the members are always out doing gigs, whether individual gigs or, or full band gigs or even mini bands. Um, and all that money goes into the band's funds. Um, we also have some very gracious uh, donations. Have a lot of the, the hill country highland dancers are are always in there donating to the band, um, so we can do a lot of these things. So uh, the band, out of that fund, uh, the band does uh, uh, subsidize a lot of the individual travels. Um, but so, so what we found is really the hard part is everybody having t- taking that two weeks out of their annual vacation to make a trip to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Is are you pre-selected to go to Worlds? Do you just up and decide, hey, we're going this year? Or is there some kind of a selection process or qualification? Or can any pipe band from anywhere in the world just say, let's go compete in the world championships? Anybody can go. Um, you are graded uh, by the Royal uh, Scottish Pipe Band Association. So there are different grades from grade one, which are the top bands in the world, to uh, grades two, three A and three B, grade four and three four B, and then there are two novice or two uh, uh, youth grades. Um, so anybody can go, but it's 
probably one of the toughest competitions. It's it's the toughest toughest competition in the world. Um, there's a lot of bands in each grade. Yeah, so bands pretty much uh, self-select. They know when they're strong and when they have the best chance of, of getting a placing in the contest. What kind of pressure, if any, do you as an individual piper or drummer uh, and as a band um, as a whole then uh, is put on you or do you put on yourselves um, when you make the decision to go and, uh, and perform and compete at, at this level? There's a lot of pressure. I mean, we are we spend anywhere from fifty to sixty thousand dollars to take the entire band. So there's a lot of pressure that you want to be ready to go. You know, we do put individual pressure on each other. We put pressure on everybody as a as a band, and we kind of take a vote at the beginning of the year and well, end of December, beginning of January that everybody says, hey, are we ready to go? And is everybody committed to do this? Um, because it's going to take a lot of time. We do, you know, we have biweekly rehearsals on Mondays and Thursday nights. And then we have usually once a month, uh, we'll have a weekend rehearsal where we rehearse for three or four hours on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, it takes a lot of, a lot of rehearsal time and a lot of individual practice time to get up to that level. You were telling me, Doug, that in Glasgow, where the Worlds are held, that um, before the competition, um, the city literally fills with uh, pipe and drum bands, and uh, and there's a lot of there are a lot of various gigs and things going on during the course of the week leading up to the Worlds. Is it all work and pressure, or is there camaraderie amongst uh, the different bands from around the world? Do you guys get over there and? Uh, and ladies have a chance to let your hair down and see a little bit of Scotland, enjoy a little bit of, you know, have a dram or two and um, do a little sightseeing, or is it all absolutely um, spit polish and, and business? Well, I would love to say that it's all spit polish and business, but I'll be the first to admit that <laughs> I like to get out and let my hair down as well. Um, you know, the, we go two weeks in advance. Um, we typically... Uh, we, we'll go two weekends before the Worlds, and we'll get, you know, at least one day off. But all those other mornings, you know, we'll rehearse from, say, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. If everything is going well and we're on schedule, then everybody can have their the rest of the day off and sightsee. And what uh, Glass or uh, Edinburgh is, what, an hour train ride? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sterling is a half an hour, 45 minute train ride. So there's a lot of things that people go out, can go out and see. Uh, and of course, you know, Glasgow, there's a pub on every corner. So. <laughs> I think that's true of Scotland in general, not just Glasgow. Exactly. Well, and then the trick becomes not having everybody having too much fun. Yeah, right. Well, you know, in, in a different um I guess, analogy, you know, we look at the Super Bowl here in the United States and we've all heard those stories where, you know, one team goes and and is uh, pretty disciplined and another one may go and uh, and see a little too much of New Orleans or Miami <laughs> or wherever it might be held. And, and usually um, they go home without the ring. So I guess the same could be true in, uh, in pipes and drums. Um, I want to go back to the music for a moment. Ken, you and Doug both mentioned there's a role of the pipe major as the selection of the music. 
Uh, and Ken, you mentioned that the stuff, the Red Hot Chili Pipers, who are, I'm a big fan of, uh, is not necessarily um, smiled upon for this type of competition. Is there an approved selection that you can choose from? Or do you have the ability to go out and choose willy-nilly what you would like? And exactly what are the judges looking for in, in terms of your selection of music? Ken, since you were pipe major for a number of years, I'll, I'll let you take first stab at that. Yeah, well, uh, Doug and I are, are going about it very differently uh, in terms of the selection. Um, Doug has much more music theory and is even a composer. He uh, tends to do most of the selection himself, whereas I, I tended to do it uh, by vote, which was a very long, drawn-out process. But uh, it was mainly to get help from those that had a better appreciation of chord changes and things like that than I do. And generally, the March to Spain Reel is a bit more traditional. So those are well-established tunes that have been played for a long time. You may find some, we've always, we always do like to find something a little bit off the beaten track, I must say. That's been a common thread through all the years, even in the more traditional music. But um, we just like it to be musical, something we're going to enjoy playing uh, by the time we've done the 1,000th uh, repetition of it. The medleys as, uh, is where you have much more freedom of choice. And um, then it's pretty much uh, anything goes. But as Doug said, we found in the last couple of times where we got, let's say, a bit adventurous, uh, that it became clear that uh, our sense of adventure wasn't shared across the water. <laughs> and uh, so um, I think Doug's been a bit more careful. He's, you know, he certainly was has been in charge of this latest selection, which I think is the, probably the best medley we've ever had in terms of musicality. So I'll be very disappointed if, if they don't approve of Doug's taste this time around. So, Doug, um, we probably won't be hearing the eyes of Texas then when you guys are performing. Uh, I would. Probably bet on that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you do select music, and particularly in, in the set you'll be playing this year, are they widely recognizable pipe tunes, or will there, as Ken says, sometimes you get a little adventurous, will there be some surprises there? Um, for, well, for the Marchster Spay and Reel, uh, there will probably be not many surprises at all. We try to stand, try to stay a little bit more on the traditional side. For the medley, there may be a few few little surprises. Um, certainly not as as many surprises as we've had in the past, but I I think they're fun little tunes. Um, they're a little bit of a challenge to play. I think I think I hope everybody's enjoying playing them. At least that's what they tell me to my face. No, no, we are. I mean, Doug uh, <laughs> is being a little modest there. He's a composer of one of the tunes in the set. Uh, this time around, and it is probably the best uh, Strispay uh, for medley playing that I've ever heard. Oh, well, you're too kind, Ken. No, it's a, it's a great <laughs> tune, Doug. You hit, a, you hit a home run on that one. I'm curious, what are the judges actually, what are they looking for and listening for? Is is appearance and presentation a part of the process, or is it all strictly about the music? And, uh -huh. um, and so, you know, give me an idea of how will the judges grade your performance? What things will, will they be looking out for and listening for? Well, officially, appearance is not, has nothing to do with it, but as we all know, it's 
you know, as in anything else. Uh, if you look like a bunch of slouches, then you're going to start off on a, on a lower level. So appearance matters, um, presentation matters, but theoretically, it's all about the music. It's all about tone. It's all about technique. Um, you know, with, with the bagpipe, unlike any other wind instrument where you can break up notes with your tongue, you can't do that with the bagpipe. So you have series of one, two, three, up to eight grace notes that are all jammed in there together and making all of those grace notes sound exactly in unison over nine, 10 or more pipers is quite a challenge, but that's what the judges are listening for. Uh, they're listening to the tuning, to the tone, to the pitch and the musical presentation overall. So it, it all matters. We'll continue the conversation with pipe majors Doug Slauson and Ken Lichty in just a few moments. But for those who can't travel to Glasgow, here's a sneak peek of the March Strathspey Real Competition set that the band will be performing in Glasgow. The march is titled Mrs. John McCall. The Strathspey is Captain Colin Campbell. And the Real is Bessie McIntyre. Here is the Silver Thistle Pipes and Drums of Austin, Texas.
Ken, again, you talked particularly about the generations of the band. Um, you know, members have come and gone, and, and, and to some extent, perhaps even the personality of the band has changed a bit through the years. What would you say attributes to the popularity, though, of the band and, and its ability to, uh, to last these decades? What continues to draw people to the group? I think it's um, people know that they can come for consistently good playing. Uh, they can come to learn, improve themselves. And it's also very pleasurable uh, to be able to play in a good band. Uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, get examples of bands that are, that are not so good. Uh, but when you're playing in, in, the, in, the, in the band, either in the ranks or in a, in a performance circle or a, or a concert uh, formation, uh, and you've got, you know, say, 10 pipers all in tune, playing very skillfully and together, it's very difficult to beat that uh, as a very pleasurable experience. Uh, it's just very, very special about that. So I think people come for that. And, uh, you know, fortunately, over the years, we've been able to attract uh, players, good players or players that are willing to learn. We've got plenty of kids that have come up through the ranks uh, in the band. Um, and of course, uh, often because they started young and if they applied their, themselves well, uh, they've got nimble fingers and, and, and can contribute into adulthood. So I think it's the quality of the playing and the professionalism. And we have a good time. We enjoy one another. There's a lot of joking, leg pulling. We spend time with one another. We know uh, other things that are happening out, outside of the bagpiping life as well about one another. You are from Scotland. Yes. And found your way to Texas. Do you find that most of the people in the band have Scottish ancestry or uh, roots, ties to Scotland? Or are there some who are simply drawn, for whatever reason, to pipe and drum music? Yeah, I think it's really a mixture of both. There are some people with connections, some uh, stronger than others. But there's plenty of people, uh, especially amongst kids, I would say, that say, for some reason, they just like the sound of the pipes. And after many years of badgering, got their parents to get them some lessons and, and they went, <laughs> and went on from there, right? Uh, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of that, that cartoon you see occasionally um, on Facebook, social media, that where you know, a guy will post and says, my neighbor came over and was pounding on my door at 3 a.m. Thank goodness I was up practicing my bagpipes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ken, just, you just said something interesting about the number of kids coming into the group. I want to talk about that in a couple of different uh, veins. First of all, though, is that I, I know from your background, you came to the pipes at a, at a very young age as a ween over in uh, in Scotland. Yes. Um, Doug, I think I recall you came to the pipes in, in maybe around... 30-ish. I had the, the great privilege of having Craig Monroe of Wallace Bagpipes and the Red Hot Chili Pipers as a friend of mine, and I was uh, honored to tour their factory a couple of years ago on one of my visits. I have my very own chanter that Craig gave me. I can can sometimes make it sound about like a foghorn. That's about the best I can do with it. I'm a musician myself. I play trombone and bass guitar, but I'm told the pipes are one of the most difficult instruments to master and, and to learn. Is it better to come to the pipes as a young person or an older person, or, or does age matter in your ability to play? That, that's really a hard, a hard question to answer because 
both both groups have their own challenges. I so wish I would have come to it when I was young, but on the other hand, I know that my parents would have beaten me about the head and shoulders <laughs> just trying to get me to practice. <laughs> Coming to it in as, as an adult, I was self-motivated. I wanted to do it. So, I mean, I was to the point where I was cranky if I didn't get to practice on a, a certain day. Um, I played the trumpet all through high school, off and on after that, and I hated practicing. Um, now, I don't like it when I don't get to play the pipes. I don't know what it is about them, but that's that it is. Um, so I, I literally teach students from, uh, I've had eight-year-olds and I've had 80-year-olds. I'll say rule of thumb because there's always an exception to every rule, but Usually the adults are doing it because they want to. I won't say usually, but often the kids are doing it because of other input, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So it, it quite often becomes a challenge to get the kids to want to practice. And that is the biggest hurdle. Uh, if you want to play the pipes, anybody can do it. You just have to be willing to put in the time. And it's not a simple you know, physical thing. It's not a matter of, it's a lot of technique, but there is a physicality to the instrument that you have to build the muscles to be able to do it. Um, And if you don't work at that, you're never going to get anywhere. You mentioned the kids coming to it for, through other input. You know, I grew up with the Beatles and every kid wanted to play guitar. That's how I ended up playing bass guitar. My neighbor (laughs) Played guitar, wanted to start a band, and said, "We need a bass player. Here's, you know, here's a guitar. You just play the the, the top four strings." You know, I can imagine though a kid playing uh, guitar and, and being well received. You know, even if he can't go out and play football with his friends, he's got to go practice. He's playing the guitar. Saying, "I can't go out and, and play because I got to go practice the bagpipes," <laughs> especially in Texas where I grew up. Am I being unfair to say maybe is there any kind of a stigma attached to playing the pipes versus playing perhaps an, another more, shall we say, traditional, not a good word, but I guess maybe a more common or accepted. acceptable or yeah. yeah, a more accepted instrument? I, I think, you know, and I, and I have several kids that are students started them, you know, when they were 10, 8, eight to 10 to up to 12, 13. Oddly enough, you would think it would be there would be a nerd factor, but yeah, it's, that's what, it's, that's it's a, lot, a nerd factor. I yeah, like it's it's actually more of an unknown until people find out that they do it, and then it becomes wow, that's really cool. I never thought of that. So it's as much of an education and just publicity thing as anything else, um, because you know, once people find out you play the bagpipes, they wow. That's, I never thought of that because, I mean, we're in Austin, Texas. You can't shake a dead cat without hitting a guitar player, yeah. but there's not a whole <laughs> right. lot of bagpipe players around. Well, and bagpipes are not what I would consider the Austin sound either, I guess. <laughs> um, well, we're trying to on fix that. that. Uh, we actually um, partnered with a Brazilian good group called uh, Samba Che. That's right. And uh, we had a very uh, good collaboration with them. We made a, 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 a CD called Samba Thistle, and we had lots of, um, uh, you know, 
events together where we, we played together. And Austin loved it. Uh, the idea of these two ethnic uh, groups joining from apparently very different uh, directions, but they, they were able to find some really interesting rhythms that gave Scotland the Brave, for example, a whole new life uh, for me anyway, having played it many, many times already, uh, to hear their rhythms uh, uh, that they came up with. That's interesting, and, and it sort of brings me uh, full circle back to uh, comments earlier about the Red Hot Chili Pipers, who I, I'm a huge fan of. I've been fortunate to have, uh, as I said earlier, both Craig Monroe and uh, sometime later uh, one of their uh, lead pipers, Doogie McCants, on. The Red Hot Chili Pipers are not a traditional pipe and drum band, and I, I guess most people listening to this probably will know that. Um, they play a, a, a variety of music that they have self-coined the term bag rock. They do uh, covers of, of rock and roll music with the bagpipes. And you guys are talking about doing samba music with the bagpipes. Is there anything that, that bagpipes can't work into the musical genre? I would say no. I, I've actually been fortunate to do a lot of very unusual gigs around Austin. I did a gig where it was a it was a presentation of a new Scotch whiskey here in town, and I played with a bluegrass band. Oh. That was fun. Uh, I played with uh, I played with the opera here back in January, which was very interesting and very challenging. Uh, as well as oh, let me see, I actually did a a um, it was a burlesque show a couple years mm -hmm. ago. So. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised where yeah. you'll find the bagpipes. I think I can add to, to that uh, request for one wedding to play Sweet Child of Mine, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, was quite a challenge, but it was greatly appreciated by the bride and groom, is what all I can say. Uh, <laughs> I bet picking, picking and grinning with a bagpipe is not something I would think of, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I played on, um, uh, I think it was Bruce Roberson, anyway, a country Western player needed me to play. Uh, so yeah, you, you'd be surprised. <clears throat> I'm surprised to hear all of that though, because isn't the bagpipe somewhat limited in the number of notes that can be played on it? Isn't there some music that can't be played on the bagpipe? Oh yes. We've got nine notes and we've okay. got one octave. So you have to sometimes get a little bit creative trying to make things work. Ken, for you, this has to be fun to go back home to Scotland. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, uh, I still have my brother and sister there and, and I do visit them quite regularly. But it's special to go back and be able to compete in a pipe band at the World Championships. Uh, as a teenager, outside of the school band that I played in, I played in a in a local civilian band and you know we would go around all the major uh, contests uh, and that was that was a very uh, uh, a lovely time so it brings back uh, memories of, of those times and of course the level of playing i would say has gone up greatly uh, over those many many years there for a young person who perhaps hears this or perhaps has heard you guys perform and is 
thinking, you know, that maybe this is maybe this is something they would like to do, that they have a motivation, whether it be a, a family ancestry or whatever, might lead them to consider taking up the pipes. What would your advice be for not necessarily even just a young person, for anyone, let's say, who suddenly decides, you know, I think maybe I'd like to try my hand at that. What, what should they, what would their first steps be? How would they go about it? Yeah, I think there might be two different answers. I'll, I'll let Doug maybe answer for people taking it on a little later. But uh, one thing that you can definitely, if you're willing to apply yourself as a child, is that you can definitely get that muscle memory locked in at an early age. And uh, although it can be overcome, you know, starting later, and I think Doug and we have several other examples in the band who've done a fantastic job of, of starting as, as adult players. You know, that's another commentary on the United States, I think, as a whole. Uh, you'll find very few adult learners in Scotland. I, I really do think uh, they mostly start as kids. Uh, it's just the openness that the U- U.S. has um, for for things, no matter how old or young you are. Um, so uh, I would say, as a young, if you're a youngster starting out, it's a great time to start. Uh, and as Doug said, the problem might be w- with practicing and applying oneself. Uh, so if you can overcome that aspect of it, you've got a, a, a chance of becoming a, a very good player. That's absolutely it. You know, if you can start out with those young fingers, there's nothing better. But yeah, I think Ken, wasn't it for years and years? You couldn't even, a teacher wouldn't even take you in Scotland if you were above 15 or 16. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. But, um, you know, it, it did just as the case that People just start as, as kids. There's, you know, they have pipe bands yeah. where we have marching bands here. And that's how I started. It was a school band. And when I got to be 18, my parents said, do you want to continue? And I said, yes. And then they gave me a, a set of pipes, which I have to this day. So uh, 50 years I've had this set of pipes. 51, actually. So, so Doug, as a pipe major for the band, what are you... Um... What are you expecting? What are you looking forward to with uh, the band's performance at the World Championships this year? Well, there's there's an old saying. It's ABCs and MFP. So it's attack, blowing, and, and cutoffs. So that's the technical side of it. And the MFP is a mistake-free performance. So I think if we can hit those two things, then we should be in good shape. My thanks to my guest, Ken Lichty and Doug Slauson, former and current pipe majors, respectively, of the Silver Thistle Pipes and Drums of Austin, Texas. The 2019 World Pipe Band Championship will take place in Glasgow on August 16th and 17th. A total of 195 bands from around the world are registered to date and will be taking part in the various grades. The World Pipe Band Championships have been held since 1947, And the future looks bright, with as many as 40% of the pipers and drummers taking part each year of age 25 or under. Past World Championships have been live-streamed for viewing on BBC One and by Livestream. Check your local regions for any viewing opportunities. We'll have some helpful links in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. Remember, you can catch past episodes of the podcast anytime on demand, on the website, and each Thursday at 3 p.m. UTC on RadioHaver.com. That's Glasgow's-based RadioHaver, H-A-V-E-R.com. And in a programming note, 
I'm returning to Scotland for my fifth time in August and September, so new episodes may be slow in arriving over the next couple of months. You can always get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot and listen on demand on the website and various podcast player apps. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, I guess Alpha Kubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartan sky. That's at underscore tartan sky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>